I had a spring in my step when I walked into work today, Imogen Wells. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you know why? Tell me. Well, it was a sunny day. I had a good, uh, I had a good breakfast, and I had the knowledge as well that I crushed you in the inaugural Fun Fact Friday poll. You know what I love about you, Emil, is you're so humble. You got a bit of a husk to your voice today as well. Oh, it? look, you didn't need to bring it up. <laughs> Um, Imogen's been to a wedding over the weekend, mm-hmm. boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great band, I tell you. Anyway, let's get to the show. Kilda, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. The health sector's ticking time bomb. A wave of GPs are approaching retirement. We're not training enough to replace them. And the regions and emergency departments are feeling the pinch. So what can be done? One of New Zealand's most beautiful and remote beaches is completely clogged up with plastic. So we chat to National Correspondent Andrea Vance, who's visited it, about why and about how difficult it actually is to clean up. It's Oscars night or day here in New Zealand. So who are the favourites and what movie should you bunk off work to watch? Plus, the BBC picks a fight with one of its most beloved football presenters. We'll catch you up on the many twists and turns in this bizarre saga. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Let's begin today's show by looking at the slow-moving crisis that affects all of us in Aotearoa, which is New Zealand's impending GP shortage. It's a pretty simple calculation. Lots of general practitioners plan to retire in the next few years, and we simply aren't training anywhere near enough to replace them. It's increasingly difficult to get a timely appointment. Some clinics, in fact, aren't enrolling new patients, and this is putting lots of pressure on emergency departments, which have to deal with that overflow. So Why are we finding it so tough to train new GPs in Aotearoa, New Zealand? Dr Rolston D'Souza is a GP who's studying emergency medicine in Taupo at the moment and he's joining us now to chat. Kia ora. Kia ora. When you're at medical school, is general practice, you know, sort of pushed as a a really viable option to specialise in? So there's a couple of things. So in terms of medical school, half of it is obviously you have your um, pre-hospital placements and half of it is your post, like when you're in the hospital. Out of those three years that you spend doing hospital rotations, probably medical students only get about six to 10 weeks of exposure in general practice, which in the grand scheme of things isn't um, a lot. So obviously, if you're not getting exposed to something that much, you're not going to be thinking of it as a as a viable option. And the times that you're not in the general practice, you're in the hospital, and sometimes there can be a negative attitude towards general practitioners. Uh, like, for example, when I was going through medical school, um, hospital doctors always say, oh, this GP did this stupid thing, or, or they're useless, or something like that, without really appreciating the difficulties that that general practitioner has faced. So as a medical student, if you're being exposed to this attitude towards general practice, you're not really keen to go down that line. It's quite interesting you mentioned that opinion of GPs uh inside the hospital because the lack of GPs has a flow-on effect into the uh, demand that is then put on our hospital system. Yeah, yeah. So most people are waiting about three to four to six weeks sometimes to see their general practitioner. And so while they're waiting to get seen, 
Sometimes some of those problems may go away by themselves, but more often things are getting worse with their medical conditions and that delay in that care is making it more complex and therefore they need really hospital level of care and you can't really deliver that care in a 15-minute appointment. What's the solution or, or parts of the solution from your point of view? We have to really go back to medical school and we have to really start exposing medical students to good general practice uh, settings. The cultural shift within the hospital is going to take a long time and that's something that we're not going to be able to do. Um, probably the next thing is giving the same terms and conditions that hospital doctors have in training to general practice doctors. So for example, when you go to general practice training, you take a pay cut, you don't get your courses paid for, um, you don't get the same amount of sick leave, you don't get the same amount of study leave. So all of those things you're taking a cut for to go into general practice training. So it's sort of those terms and conditions need to be equalised amongst the hospital and the general practice doctors. Thank you so much, Dr. Rolson D'Souza. Staff journalist Kaya Radcliffe also has a great piece on this very topic. It's live on the website. Check it out at stuff.co.nz. One of New Zealand's most remote spots is covered in trash. Mason Bay is a stretch of beach on Stewart Island. It's more than 40 kilometres away from Oban and can only be reached by hiking or via tiny plane. So you'd think it would be untouched, beautiful, pristine. Instead, it's littered with litter. Stuff's national correspondent Andrea Vance recently visited Mason Bay and she's here to chat about this a bit more. Kia ora, Andrea. Andrea, what are we talking here? How much plastic were you seeing? What was it like when you first arrived? The first thing that we saw when the plane landed in the in the morning when we arrived, you, you land in the sand at low tide. And the first thing is this bright yellow piece of nylon plastic uh, fishing rope that was just lying in the sand. And, and it's quite unnatural because it's a very brightly coloured um, piece of rope. Immediately when we landed, we, we could see that there was a problem. And then as you make your way up the beach, there's just, just so much rubbish, like everything from... Uh, sauce bo- bottles and plastic packets of food wrapping from from all over the Pacific, like Korea, Taiwan, Japan, and then a lot of commercial fishing rubbish. So um, fish bins, ropes, buoys. How do you clean up an area like that? Is it just sort of what volunteers loading stuff onto a boat, I, I guess? Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. So, uh, so they do. They didn't do one last year, and and it's kind of intermittent. But they try and do an annual cleanup, um, and it's it's beyond docks capabilities. Basically, they're really stretched anyway for resources. So, a bunch of amazing volunteers from Southland. So they go and they march along this beach and they pick up all the rubbish that they can handle, and that's that's all fine for the bigger pieces. But you can't. There's nothing you can do about microplastics and the tiny shards. Like I know from experience, it is back-breaking work, a beach clean-up, and, and you just couldn't you couldn't get all of the plastic that's on the beach. It would be impossible. You can read more of Andrea's story on stuff.co.nz. Andrea Vance, thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate it. Thank you. Guess what day it is? It is Monday, March the 13th, Imogen. It is. It's, um, it's 242 years since humans discovered Uranus, the planet. 
sometimes with you. Uh, it's <laughs> very interesting. Thank you very You're much welcome. for that uh, wee little tidbit Fun about March 13. But it's not what I was going for. It's Oscars night. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> yes, when the richest, most famous people in the world get together and tell us about how important it is to be kind to one another. Oh, you big old Scrooge. <laughs> Putting that aside, mm. it's all very exciting. But my issue is, is that there's always so many movies, but so little time. And I never know how to sound moderately informed about these movies without actually seeing them every year it comes around. Well, Imogen, I have a solution for you here. Thank goodness for that. Our own personal cinematic spark notes, staff entertainment editor James Crute, who is joining us on the line now. Hello. Hello, team. How are you? Very well, thanks. <laughs> you excited? I am, yes. I don't know. There's a certain unpredictability about this year. Also, it'll be interesting to see how the Academy decide to play things this year. They're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Do they talk about the slap from last year or do they completely <laughs> ignore things? Or have they set up a slap for yeah. this yeah. year? <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel is the host, so it's hard to know. I think he'll lean into it. Mm. But Matt Damon is usually his full guy and Matt Damon has a movie coming out next month. So maybe he'll slap Matt Damon. Matt Damon might slap his Ben Affleck. Who knows? Oh, fascinating <laughs> insights. Um, as I mentioned, I never know what movie. I've never managed to see them all. So run us through the big contenders this year. Sure. Well, obviously in the last few years, they decided they would double the number of Best Picture nominees just to make it really hard for you. So now <laughs> there are 10 this year. So I can give you a few words on each of those big 10. So All Quiet on the Western Front. War as Hell, German style. Avatar 2. <laughs> Everything's not so smurfy on Pandora anymore. The Banshees of Inishira. Father Ted remade as Waiting for Godot. <laughs> Everything, everywhere, all at once. A non-Marvel multiverse with the lead from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Halloween's final girl, and that little kid from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Elvis, simply Baz Luhrmann remixing the king. The Fablemans, Spielberg revisits his childhood. Tar, cancel culture and classical music with Kate Blanchett. Top Gun Maverick, Tom Cruise feels the need for speed again. Triangle of Sadness, White Lotus, the European cruise ship edition. And finally, Women Talking, the Me Too version of 12 Angry Men. <laughs> Holy crap. Well done. I am going to listen to this back and furiously type all this out and have it to hand for the rest of the day. I think if you Google it, I don't know how what path you'll end up in, though. No, but these are just great one-liners yeah. I can whip off. Well played. James, who's your favourite from that, from that bunch? Look, I think the uh, shift or the... the Momentum is with everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, but I guess if there's a dark course, probably all quiet on the Western Front. It just came out of left field, landed on Netflix, blew everyone away. It, it's just really that the BAFTAs have set it up for a real shocker, really. If between now and this afternoon, people can manage <laughs> to slip in one movie and one movie only, what should it be? Well, I guess in terms of what can you see in that period of time and how you can see it, it probably is all quiet on the Western Front because mm. it's on Netflix. And so you can just sort of sneakily have in the background. Having said that, it does have the problem of being in German with subtitles. And I do not recommend doing any dubbed versions on Netflix because they're scary. So if I had to do a backup, 
maybe the Banshees of Inner Sheeran on Disney+. Plus. Grand stuff. It'll be interesting to see what happens this evening. James Crute, thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate it. No worries. It's probably not going to win, but I know what has my vote for Best Picture. Oh, yeah. Go on. Run into the danger zone. I came out of that wanting to watch it again straight away. Oh, pump it into my veins. Kia ora, Aotearoa, and welcome to the Big Stuff Quiz. I'm your host, Imogen Wells, alongside my assistant, the wonderful... Hello everyone! Each week we'll release a new episode to test your wits with two rounds of ten questions. One potluck round and another that's very loosely themed. A bit tangential even. Such a good word. If you think you're up for the challenge, go and follow our show on your favourite podcast platform, The Big Stuff Quiz, is out now. The Big Stuff Quiz is proudly brought to you by Melbourne. Every bit different. What on earth is going on? At the BBC. Oh my God, I love this song. This is my favourite story since the um, Ever Given blocked the Suez Canal, officially. And may that always be a benchmark uh, in terms of rating stories because, <laughs> mamma mia, chef kiss. Oh, dynamite, yeah. <laughs> um, right, I, I'm going to give a wee nutshell explainer of this. So basically, this is kind of a story about public figures and political neutrality, uh, which we're familiar with in New Zealand. It's, it's kind of similar to the Rob Campbell story here that emerged a couple of weeks ago. Interesting um, timing. Yeah, yeah. It's different in, in some significant ways, though. So basically, there are three main characters here. First off, there's Gary Lineker. He is a former British footballer. Um, now he's a, quite a beloved pundit. He's best known as the host of the football show Match of the Day, which has a long and um, glorious history in the UK. The second main character is the BBC, which is the British Broadcasting Corporation. And the third main character is the UK government. Now, the government in the UK recently introduced this immigration bill, um, which has been criticised in many quarters as being inhumane and unworkable and draconian. Basically, it means that people who are arriving in the UK on small boats wouldn't be able to claim asylum. Asylum seekers wouldn't be able to claim asylum if they crossed the channel in small boats. Gary Lineker criticises this policy in a tweet last week. He says some of the language is reminiscent of 1930s Germany. Probably an ill-advised thing to bring up, but, you know, it's his opinion and it's, it's certainly not out of character for him. Anyway, he gets called out on this because the BBC has really, really strict rules around presenters and impartiality. Mm. Um, so Lineker sticks to his guns. He says he doesn't regret saying... Anything that he said, he, he he argues that he's a freelance sports reporter, he's always been politically outspoken, and there's no way anyone is going to equate what Gary Lineker is saying in his own personal capacity with the views of the BBC, which is why that policy kind of exists. Now, the BBC is, isn't having that explanation. It stands him down from match of the day. But the thing is, the joke's on him. They probably underestimated the strength of, of love for Gary Lineker. So all of his other colleagues on Match of the Day boycott the show. So do the commentators. Um, so do the radio commentators. So it pretty much went ahead with only football highlights. There was no analysis, no commentary, nothing. It was deeply, deeply embarrassing for the BBC. When I read that that's what ended up being broadcast, it gave me big, um, there is no news tonight, so here is some music <laughs> vibes from the BBC. 
funnily enough, and all, weirdly in 1930, no less. Um, and that was oh, that yeah. was literally announced on radio, and they played um, some music for 20 minutes. But going back to this, uh, there's an additional layer in here as well, right? This isn't just uh, as clear, it's not even clean cut, but it gets even more complicated because the argument here is over impartiality. But there's an ongoing investigation into the BBC's own chairman over yeah. his involvement in a loan that was secured for Boris Johnson when when Boris Johnson was Prime Minister. But he hasn't been stood down throughout that investigation. And I guess that brings up this wider criticism of of the BBC of hypocrisy. But like I mean what do you how do you reckon this pans out, Ammo? I don't I don't see Gary Lineker because what if they said they've stood him down until the BBC and him agree on a social media policy yeah. uh, going forward. I don't see him either one of them falling on a sword here. Mm. Um, I reckon an uber-rich person's going to swoop in, make him, fund him his own TV show, or mm. he'll go to another broadcaster and Match of the Day will resume and just with a different colours, maybe. I just really hope they don't put out a statement with, we've listened. Makes me cringe. Anyway, on cringing notes, that's Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Well. And I'm Emil Donovan. If you enjoyed this episode, please do follow us on your favourite podcast player and leave us a rating and a review. It helps other listeners to discover us. And my mum really likes it when you say nice things. And Nikki Wells also likes scrolling through, so please indulge. Indulge the mothers uh, for 24 hours, if not forever. You can also just hit us up directly if you've got something to say. No emails about my voice, please. Email us at newsable at stuff.co.nz. Have a great day. I quite like your voice, personally. I like the husk. Very much. I'm off for lemon and honey. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.